0: Welcome to this edition of Creator Talks. I'm your host, Christopher Calloway. Fresh from my trip to Heroes Con in Charlotte, North Carolina, I wrap up my experience and bring to you four interviews from the floor. Plus, I'll talk to you about some of the people I met, guests I've had on the show before, and people I've never had a chance to meet before. And I'm also gonna talk about some of the great finds I had there, some of the comics that I picked up digging through the back issue bins. They were values to be had out there. You just had to look carefully and take your time and just be very thorough. But meeting people and the conversations we had were the best part. And not just on the convention floor, I met lots of folks at the hotel, at the Westin Charlotte Bar, and also met a lot of fellow podcasters. And on this show, I'm gonna bring you four interviews. Michelle Fife, who has written and drawn Bloodstrike and Copra. Christine Brunson, the colorist on Amazing Age for Alterna Comics, and her own book that she has written and colored, Bittersweet Sentinel. Marie Enger, she was on the show with Cullen Bunn and Danny Luckhart to talk about Regression. We talk about her own work, Photog and Loathing. And finally, Kevin M. Glover, the publisher and writer of Scary Tales. Mash-up horror books in the vein of Creepy and Eerie, plus a horror comic book suitable for young readers. All right, so let's begin the recap of my experience and the interviews from HeroesCon, held in Charlotte, North Carolina, June 15th through 17th, 2018. Here now on Creator Talks. Folks, let me get started with my recap of the con. Well, first I'm happy to say, returning from the con, I do not have con crud. It's been three days and I've survived. So I'm really happy about that because I've been through it and it's the worst. But the show. Well, I awoke early at four fifteen to catch my flight to Charlotte, which was leaving Philadelphia International Airport, at 7 AM. Wasn't too bad rolling out of bed, hopping the plane, and getting there in just an hour and fifteen minutes. A short flight but really is great because it saves a lot of time and fatigue driving down. It wasn't too expensive. I just paid for my carry-on bag because, hey, I'm going to a con. I'm going to need a bag just to bring back the stuff I bought. I arrived in Charlotte, took a cab over to the hotel. First person I see is Tom Palmer, who I would see later at the show, and ask him to sign my copy of the trade, Panther's Quest, which was a story in Marvel Comics Presents that was written by Don McGregor, one of the original writers of the Black Panther series during the 70s, Jungle Action, drawn by Gene Colan and inked by Tom Palmer. And it was really great to see him again. I see him at every show I go to now. Say hello, thank him for commissions that he has done, and ask him to sign anything that I have. And he had a really good line during the whole show. A lot of the old guard had huge lines. Uh, Let's see, Al Milgram was there. And Mike Royer was there. Jim Starenko, of course, he had a big line. And Joelle Jones, she was there, had a huge line of people. I met her. She is super nice. I purchased a print of hers from Lady Killer. I asked her to sign that. And also to sign my copy of Where We Live, the anthology that was created to benefit the survivors of the Las Vegas shooting back in October. And there was also a signing during the con of people that were there who worked on the book. But I'm getting ahead of myself Let me start with my first day going to the con. People I met in line on the way in, Ruth and Darren of the Rad Adventures Network. They are the hosts of Trekker Talk, Warlord Worlds, and Xenozoic Xenophiles. They are two wonderful folks with excellently produced podcasts. It was wonderful to see them, and I saw them throughout the show on the floor. Unfortunately, I could not spend more time with them and the rest of the podcasters that were getting together. It's just one of those things when I get to a show... I have so many things on my plate that I need to get accomplished, but I am very grateful for the chance to meet them again, share their enthusiasm for the show, and just really nice to touch base with them and see them throughout the whole weekend. Other podcasters that I ran into were Wendy Jones who does the Double Page Spread podcast. I ran into her while I was going up to see Dan Panosian, who worked on Slots. He was on the show. And I asked him to sign his Urban Barbarian Collected Works Volume 1. It is actually an art book of his. And in it, he did a little sketch of Wolverine for me that's in the back, this little block to put a sketch in. And he did that. So I really appreciated that. That was so cool. Sticking with the sketches, someone else I saw was Rob Jones. He's the writer and artist of High Spot. He had copies of his book available along with a free sketch on the back of the backing board. So I have a sketch of Spider-Man that he did that were exclusive to HeroesCon. So I was early enough to snag a copy of the comic with the sketch along with it, and uh, hopefully, in the future, we'll have Rob on the show to talk about his work. Other guests that I met who have been on the show before and said hello to were Jim Rugg, writer and artist of Street Angel. I picked up a nice pin from him. Joshua Hickson, he was on the show with Chris Sabella to talk about their new release, Shanghai Red, he also worked on The Blackwoods, and I picked up a few copies of that while I was there. Issues 1, 2, and 3. And Josh had a pretty good show. I heard from most of the artists that were there that Friday was a bit slow for them. But it did pick up, and Josh said that he sold several pages of his artwork. So some of the pages of Shanghai Red, which is coming out, well, this week, June 20th. They're already gone. Another legendary artist that I had a chance to meet was Rudy Nebrez and his charming wife Dolores... I was looking over his original art. I thought about asking for a commission, but just looking through what he had on hand, something caught my eye. It was this great creature in a swamp surrounded by a snake. And I said, Rudy, what's this? And he said, that's the man thing. I said, oh, I, I didn't recognize him. He goes, yes, this is the man thing. And uh, you know, I said, wow, well, um, uh, I'll take it. <laughs> so I had to get my hands on that. And I met a gentleman that was there with me at the table. And he said, oh, I bought one, too, of the man thing. And he put down his purchase next to mine and said, I think they line up. And they did. They were one big piece at one time. Two different versions of the man thing, but it was one piece. And Rudy told him that he had done one large piece as a commission for someone that they never purchased. So the other gentleman and I benefited. So we each took a picture of the two together before they went their separate ways into our collections. And let me tell you, it is absolutely amazing. I did put it on my Instagram account, and you have to take a look at it. It is so detailed and so gorgeous. It's amazing. Now, I said it did not look like the man thing for Marvel Comics, and I was a little baffled by that. Well, enter two other podcasters, Brian Pants Christman and Adam Murdo of Comic Geek Speak. Now, they do tie into the story in some way. I met Brian, talked to him, and we were both going to go to the Tomorrow's panel with Roy Thomas. And I met both Brian and Adam there, and we listened to the panel, and it was great. And I hope that Brian and Murd both talk about the panel on their podcast when they recap the con. But here's the tie-in. After the panel, I showed the piece to... And I said, I just don't recognize this version of the man thing. And he said, ah, this appears to be the one from the movie. And sure enough, when I looked it up, he was absolutely dead on correct. You cannot muddle the Murd. So thank you, Adam, for clearing that up for me. And speaking of the other podcasters that I met, there were two others, one Chris Flick He works on a little comic called Capes and Babes and is also a member of the Web Comic Alliance podcast all about making digital comics. So if you're into making digital comics, I think that's one you'd like to check out. Also on the show is Don Griffin, who was on my Baltimore Women in Comics panel, who I also saw at the show. And it was great to stop by and see her and chat. Who else did I see? Well, I caught up with my friend Steve Conley, who works on The Middle Age, and picked up a copy of Astounding Space Tales, The Codex Reckoning and Aspects of Iron. And sitting right next to him, I met Dan Parent who works on Archie Comics in the classic style and also has his own comic book, Die, Kitty, Die, which he does with Fernando Ruiz. And I had him sign that and my copy of Comic Book Creator, which has his art on the front and a feature article about him. And hopefully I'll have him on the show in the near future. Uh, But I digress. I've mentioned all the podcasters that I met, and there was one more, Sam Stone. He is the producer and co-host of the Geek Out podcast, And he's also an Eisner nominee for translating the graphic novel of Beowulf. Doesn't that sound interesting? I think I might have to have him on the show to talk about that. In fact, I'll probably have all of those podcasters on the show because they're all producing something and they all had a lot of really interesting things to say. So hopefully, I'll have them each on a future show. Let's see, who else did I see? Well, there's Justin Jordan. I saw him at the comic book shop. He was at the signing for Where We Live and I just saw him a few weeks prior, so I said hello and he was there with Nikki Ryan who was hanging out with him, who offered me some lip balm and I passed. I have my own, thank you. Next to them, a favorite of mine, Ben Templesmith. I walked up that day wearing my Cthulhu t-shirt that he designed the image on. And I'm like, hey, Ben, how you doing? He goes, oh, well, that's not my shirt. I'm like, yeah, I got it from your store. And he says, no, I didn't have that white background around Cthulhu. I don't think I did. Maybe I did. Did I do that? I don't know. I'm not sure. But I like it. I actually like it better. So, (laughs) that was a little surprising reaction, but he really did like the shirt and preferred it over what he imagined it looked like. And I also had him sign a copy of his book, Original Hate. It's about a Neanderthal that gets brought back to life and really bad things happen. So, I had to get that and ask him to sign it for me. Let's see. I also saw Matthew David Smith, the writer of Amazing Age. I met Matt and Charlene Kint. They were right next to Marie Enger, who's going to be on this show right after I finish this little recap here. I also met Mike Royer after hours, chatted with him and some of the fine folks from the Jack Kirby Museum. So I hope to have them on the show as well. I also met Liana Kangas. She was signing at the Where We Live signing and saw her after the show. It was charming to meet both her and her husband. So nice to see them. Uh, Evan Dorkin, I ran into him, of Milk and Cheese and Beasts of Burden. And Sarah Thomason of Lake Fairy Creations. She has a fantasy boutique where she designs dresses and outfits. This is something outside my wheelhouse as far as comics go. But she is a creator designing dresses. Her husband does own three comic book stores down in North Carolina. And both of us like Doctor Who. So, hey, there's plenty there in common. So we had plenty to talk about. And I also had a chance to speak with Don Rosa who worked on his Uncle Scrooge comics and got a nice signed print for Declan of Uncle Scrooge diving into a pile of money with a word balloon saying, Declan, so he has that for his room. For Nolan, my other son, I picked up some Ninjago figures. He asked for those specifically before I left, so I got a set of six of those. And lucky me, I know nothing about these, and I picked out one of his favorite Ninjagos, the green one, so kudos to me. Now, I did scour the back issue bins. I have a budget so I'd be very careful how much I bought and of course how much can I carry back So I was beefing up my DC collection, particularly of the Silver and Bronze Age DC, because I don't have a lot. I was raised on Marvel, so my DC knowledge is more limited, but I still love those characters, Batman, Superman, The Flash. So I picked up a copy of Superman 234 with the cover by Neil Adams. This is The Amazing Adventures of Superman, The Amazing New Adventures, and this was written by Denny O'Neill during that run, along with art by the great Kurt Swan and Murphy Anderson. And this I did post on my Instagram account. It was a decent copy and I snagged it for half price, so I was pretty happy about that. I also found some Marvel comics, some of the more esoteric ones from the 70s I love so much. Skull the Slayer, number two. I saw plenty of copies of Skull the Slayer of number one, which I have. But I didn't have number two, so I picked up a copy of that. It sports a marvelous Gil Kane cover, and it is written by Marv Wolfman with art by Steve Gann. So that was really nice to get a hold of, and it's a nice copy too. Another great find was Two-Gun Kid number 70 with story by Stan Lee and art by Dick Ayers, but the cover's by Jack Kirby, clearly, and it's one of those sequential panel covers, and I love those so much. This is back from in 1964. So I had to get a copy of that. And it was pretty cheap, too. Oh, and speaking of old Marvel, I found this in the bin labeled Atlas Comics. And this isn't technically an Atlas comic because this is when Marvel Comics was called Marvel Comics. But prior to Marvel being Marvel, it was Atlas Comics back in the 50s when they had a brief revival of the Marvel superheroes from the Golden Age, Captain America, Submariner, the Human Torch, and Toro. But they also had their horror comics and westerns. And at the show was Vic Carabata. And he's one of the oldest living artists from that period. And I did not get a chance to interview him on the floor, but I did chat with him. And he was just charming and delightful. And I'm sure he could talk for hours about his experience both working for Atlas Comics and after four years of working for them, then going on to work in commercial art. So I hope someday to get a chance to talk with him about that. Okay, other books. This wasn't on my list, but I saw it and had to have it. The Brave and the Bold, Batman and Commandy, Last Boy on Earth. It's issue number 120. It's a thick 50 center with art inside by Jim Aparo. So I had to have it. I did pick up more Commandy, Last Boy on Earth, issue number 14 and issue number three. And it has a gorilla on the cover. So, you know, I had to have that. Did I get more DC? Yeah, betcha, I did. Batman number 351. This was a, a gap in my collection. I've been collecting the Gene Colan penciled Batman, and this one was tough to find because Batman is a vampire in this issue. So, you know, you have Gene Colan drawing Batman and drawing a vampire Batman. Like, he was so well known for his work on Tomb of Dracula, with inks by Tom Palmer and story by Marv Wolfman. So that was a hot issue, and I was glad I found a copy of that in really nice condition. And swinging back over to Marvel, I did pick up a copy of Tomb of Dracula, number nine, for a really good price. And it does have the story by Marv Wolfman with pencils by Gene Colan. And I also found a copy of The Frankenstein Monster, number nine, where he does, yes, battle Dracula. A little tale written by Gary Friedrich with art by some guy named John Buscema. And uh, he's pretty good. I'm just kidding. Of course, you know who John Buscema is. Artist on Conan the Barbarian, especially known for that. And, of course, the Avengers. So, this is a wonderful issue. I was so happy to find this one. I have the first part of the story, but not the second. So, now I have issue number nine. So, now I can complete the story. Now, sticking with Marvel, I did get a few more books from the House of Ideas. Red Wolf. The Masked Avenger of the Western Plains, issue number two. And it has a little date stamp on it, 6-5, which means it came out June 5th, and it has a cover date of July. So that's probably when it went on the stand. It has a Gil Kane cover, and it is written by Gardner Fox with art by Sid Shores. So that one is pretty cool, and uh, I'm looking forward to reading this. It has that kind of little picture in a box cover. This was in the mid-70s. This one is uh, dated July 1972, and that was the style that Marvel was printing their comics back then with a little square of art on the cover rather than a full-page bleed of the art. Now we know the Fantastic Four is returning to Marvel soon, I did pick up a Fantastic Four comic, a classic one from the 70s, number 125. It has a pencil mark on it, 525, probably when it went on sale. It's a wonderful copy, White Pages. Again, John Buscema does the art. Joe Sinnott is the embellisher or inker, and it's written by Stan Lee. It has one of those box panel art covers, and again, it's from 1972. Actually, a month after the Red Wolf issue number two came out, traveling back to the 60s. Again, I found another really nice copy of a book, Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., number eight. The story is by Ernie Hart. And then the penciling and inking is done by Herb Trimpey and John Tartaglione. And I believe the cover is by the regular penciler on the book, Frank Springer. And it's a very stunning cover. So uh, I will be posting that one on my social media accounts in the future when I do my Saturday Silver Age spotlights. My remaining purchases were OMAC, The One Man Army, issue number one, written and drawn by Jack Kirby, which was inked and lettered by Mike Royer. And like I said, he was at the show, and I did talk to him in the evening after the show, and he is a pistol, man. He is a great storyteller and a really funny guy. I knew nothing about him before the show. I just have always seen his name in the credits since I was a kid in the 70s. So to get to meet him in person was great, and he is quite the storyteller. I bought another Superman number 265, based solely on the cover where some army men are carrying Superman over their shoulders. And it is written by Elliot S. Megan with art by Kurt Swan and Murphy Anderson. So that was one I had to have, one of the 20 centers from back in the day, 1973. Now what's cool about this is on the cover... Barry Allen is popping his costume of The Flash out of his ring. And someone walks into his room and says, Aha! Now I've got the proof you're The Flash, Barry Allen. Out of his ring. Can you imagine? (laughs) That's just so great. But it's the creators that caught my eye. Mike Friedrich, Gil Kane on pencils, and Vince Coletta on inks. Okay, so that should be everything. So as you can see, I had a really busy weekend Meeting with people. Oh, jeez. You know, I forgot to mention one. Francesco Francavilla. It was so busy. (laughs) I said, hey! Gave him a fist bump because he recognized me. And that's it. That's all the contact that we had. It was just nuts. But it's always good to see Francesco in person. I hope he makes it to Baltimore. Maybe I'll get a chance to spend a little more time with him and chat. I did get a chance to chat at length with Brian Brown, the editor of Word of the Nerd, whom I used to write for before I started doing this podcast. So we had a chance to catch up. Uh, we didn't have much of a chance last year, but this year, finally, we had a chance to speak. Even if it was just on the con floor, it was great to see Brian. But let's get to the chat. I have four interviews for you. Christine Brunson, as I mentioned, colorist on Amazing Age, and we also talk about her own book. Michelle Fifey, we talk about his own books and his Bloodstripe book, calling back to the Rob Liefeld days of Image. Marie Enger, a former guest, I'm going to talk about, Regression, what's going on with that, and also her own work, and also we share our love of heavy metal and the band Ghost, and speaking of ghosts, Kevin Glover is going to talk about his horror books, particularly his child-friendly books and his anthologies, and another book he has out that's kind of a mashup of the old horror movies, and we talk about the old horror movies and a favorite show of mine and his, Night Stalker with Darren McGavin. So let's get to the creator talk. Hi, I'm Christopher Calloway, day one here at Heroes Con in Charlotte, and my voice is already going. I'm here with Christine Brunson.
1: Ah, yeah.
0: You've heard of Amazing Age. She was the colorist on that book. Here to talk with Christine today. Christine, what do you think of my buttons?
1: I love them. I, I want to keep
0: collecting these and then go work for Fridays.
1: This is, this is a great place to get a ton of them. Yeah, not of flair. Nothing great. wrong with Fridays, but if I keep collecting
0: buttons like this.
1: Oh, yeah, I have a ton on my board at home. Just there's just so many great artists it's just there, there are. hard not to it's hard not
0: to is this your first time at charlotte or your
1: no um actually um heroes was the first convention i've ever been to and then i started vending with um undead norm i did a zombie comedy thing back in the day so this has been like my seventh year here but like six years uh, yes, six years since I first started um, You said a zombie comedy? Yes. Like this part,
0: okay, how does that, how <laughs> does that work? <laughs>
1: it's more of a, a zombie thing kind of thing. Like, um, I'm actually a real big chicken when it comes to horror movies and okay. stuff like that, but um, I decided my first foyer in comic making, I wanted to do a goofy zombie comic. So, like, I was... I decided to um, make it about Norm. He's an average guy who becomes one of the first zombies and he meets and meets interesting people along the way. So I like doing a little bit of a, a dark humor kind of thing. Because, like the first issue, he's like in the zombie charity parade. No one knows that it's like actually a zombie in the middle of them. So it's, 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 it's more goofy, like Shaun of the Dead kind of oh, thing sure. than Walking yeah. the Dead kind of mm-hmm. thing. But um, I like to have fun with what I do,
0: so. I'm a big horror chicken too. Oh, that's yeah. why I like things like Universal and Hammer because anything past that, yes. I'm a chicken. I don't.
1: I like, <laughs> I like the original Night of Living Dead, like the black and white yes. stuff like that, and yes. um, I do love Beasting that my um, Amazing Age uh, yeah. c- collaborators oh, do kind of thing. It's more of a, you know, like can't be yeah. like. 70s, 80s horror movie kind of thing. I like stuff like that. I can't yeah. do over gore no, no. kind of thing. Nah, no, no. Not the Slasher Gory.
0: To me, there's no mystery to that. Or, or jump
1: know? scares kind of thing. Yeah, that's, like, that's cheap. No, no. That's not cheap. for me. <laughs> I like
0: the atmosphere, the yes. dread, the doom, the impending doom, not just like splash. Or the
1: psychological, social commentary thing. We know? are in
0: agreement, yes. <laughs> so you did the coloring on Amazing Age. Mm-hmm. Tell me, how was it working with your coworkers on that? Um, that's okay they're here but you can,
1: you can tell <laughs> talk me. talk about it a little bit I uh, know they're, they're pretty cool um, it was it was one of the things I had done um, a couple of comic cover colors for Matthew on um, Simon says and I did a um, I did colors for one of the um, posters for Beasting when they did the Kickstarter for the original one so like I had worked with him before and then um he just come up to me and he's like, Jeremy and I are going to make the superhero comic and stuff. I love your colors and Undead Norm and stuff. And he's like, it's very bright, vibrant, so he's like, because he wanted, you know, the superhero type aesthetic. And he knew that I was a big fan of like, you know, the old 70s and 80s comics and superheroes in general. So. It just, it was just a perfect fit, and it's been a lot of fun, like, I um, i usually do more shading and such on my uh, comic pages, but I wanted to keep it more of a flat, right. like, cel-shaded like almost kind older of. comics. Yeah. So, colors. Um, yes. mm-hmm. it, was, it was nice being able to um, give tribute to some of the comics I grew up with, reading and all, so. What did you read? Uh, mostly X-Men. My first comic was a Fantastic Four comic back in the day, and I just... I love the Avengers and such too. So it was—it was, it was a lot books. of, yeah. So you
0: were made for this. Yes,
1: it was—it was perfect. It was really—you can tell all of us really love those type of comics when you uh, look really like an Amazing Age. <laughs> so it's—it was some of my color inspiration too. If like if I got stuck on something, I was like, I just got to look through my old, newsprint comics and see what worked for that, Reference you know, kind material. of thing. But yeah, yeah. like it's—it's it's been a lot of fun. I just love the story. It's, it's been really fun to be a part of.
0: Do you have any favorite colorists growing um, up that you read and you really like their work that, that inspired yes. you? Yes.
1: I, I love um, Laura Allred and Laura Martin and um, Rico Renzi is really cool, too, who uh, helps out here. But um, it's, I don't know, it's just a lot of, lot of really good talent out there. And, um, there might be. <laughs> it's a lot of colors. I don't know their names. Yeah, i the, admire their work. But like it's work. just just, you know it when, it. just yeah. when it just jumps out at you, right. kind of thing. But uh, it's it's been fun to do, and I it's yeah. glad to have I'm glad to have an what all ages book versus the zombie stuff. Cause yeah, like my zombies, they aren't too bad. But like going to elementary school where my son goes, and they're like, oh, well, what kind of comics do you make? I'm just zombies, you know. But like <laughs> it's nice to have some superhero books too.
0: Now, coloring is a job in and of itself, yes. it is art, it is hard work, but you're also writing your own comic now too, mm-hmm. please tell me about that, this transition from colorist to
2: art, writer.
1: It's definitely um, much different, <laughs> uh, I, I feel like with coloring, it's more of your adding accents and talent, like to the line art, the line art should do most of the work for the comics kind of thing, but I like the colors can help. Emote different feelings, like time of day, and like whether it's a uh, impending dread or anything like that. You know, mm-hmm. the the it's another part of the storytelling. But you know, when you're doing the um, the script for it, it's uh, definitely feels like there's a lot of more planning I think for it. Because you know, like the coloring, like Jeremy's like, yeah, here's a page. You know, you see, it's already lettered and stuff. So I got to see what's all going on page by page kind of thing. So it's a little bit more. I don't. I, I do have to think about what I'm doing, but I'm just not like I have to have to plan everything out kind of thing too as much. Right. But I definitely love scripting out the characters and telling my stories that way too. So like it's definitely with a magical girl. The Bittersweet Sentinels is more of a magical girl comic. So it's still got that team um, superhero-like feel to it, kind of thing as well. But like it's nice working with. Um, with JD on that and it's a different creative team so it's everyone has their own people that they work well with and I'm lucky that everyone I work well with nicely but it's different type of artwork and stuff like that you know and being a colorist has helped me with my own artwork as well I feel like it's just seeing how different people interpret uh, volume and shapes of characters It's been helps me out when I'm doodling too.
0: Now is Bittersweet Sentinel the first work you've written?
1: No, actually under Norm I did write and color that one okay, as wrote, well.
0: Okay, you wrote
1: that okay. Yeah, the, um, I co-created it with um, Mel- Melanie Florencio. She did The Curse of Stranglehold that's on. That was from Alterna Comics with the, um, the Beasting comic. So she had are. worked with Matthew and Jeremy back in the day, and that's actually how I got introduced to them. Okay. So, yeah, but it was... So my first comic I did I did practice the script writing first, but I... I um, I don't, it's just something fun about coloring. I just like it. <laughs>
0: now, has the writing become any easier for you on this next one, Bittersweet Sentinel? Uh, any difference? Any change? In, it's. In
1: the it's. I feel like it's more, more easier and fun. I think over time than the um, zombie stuff. Like I said, since I'm a big, big scaredy cat yep. when it comes to zombies, definitely the zombie. Yeah, with that, it's a definitely different feel to the story. But like. I love doing goofy, uh, magical girl stuff. So it's, it's more of a... The
0: subject matter makes it easier for you to It's a bit more avoid. personal kind okay. of thing. So like, I feel... To that. Like,
1: yeah. But I, I, I am working on a, another undead norm, but it's, it's it's fun writing for someone else because I have to put all of my ideas down kind of thing. But if it's something that I'm going to be drawing myself, I can put little tiny little notes in it. And I understand what it's meaning, but um, working with with an artist who understands what I'm trying to get with the thing he really he really helps out too
0: <laughs> now when you get up in the morning and you're going to either write that day or color that day mm-hmm. for each one of those what's a good day for you at the end of the day you go okay that was good i wrote that the way i wanted to where i colored that it's you know and then what are the days you're like uh, Well, you know I'll, I'll go back at it again tomorrow and see if i can improve upon that what's a good day
1: um good day just getting up, just feeling. Um, I'll put on some music. I, I like listening to like video game soundtracks a lot. It depends on my mood kind of thing. But um, definitely put on some music. And with coloring, I can put any, I usually, um, I can listen to anything with words kind of thing, and it works fine with me. But like when I'm writing, I definitely, I just do instrumental music. I'm mm-hmm. like, I, I don't need anything to distract Distractions, me. Distractions, yep. So um, I'll put on some mood music to, uh, to help me with that. But yeah, um, on a good day, I can um, I'll have pages from Jeremy or JD sent to me, and I can just go into it and uh, just hammer away out of it. And usually, I can get like a, a, a couple of pages done per day. And then um, with writing, it just it depends. Some days they de- on a a, roll and you just it just goes, it. it flows on there fine, and um, like, I, I did the page-by-page breakdown the other day for the second issue of Bittersweet Sentinels, and it just, it came out in like a couple of hours. Like, it just, it flowed nicely. But like, sometimes I get a little hung up on dialogue kind of thing, because it, uh, I'll write it out real quick, and then I'll just what, later look at it, and I'm like, ooh, no, that's not what that character would <laughs> You know, it, it's, it's, sometimes it happens. Yeah. But um, I definitely feel like, especially with writing, write it out Give it a day or two, look at it, refresh at eyes, kind of thing. And
0: when you're on a roll, you find it hard to stop. Like, just, just yeah. another hour, just, <laughs> I'm almost done, and I Yes, you
1: know. like I, my husband has definitely yelled at me, like when I'm late at night, and I'm like, I'm doing really well yeah. with this coloring. I'm like, and even when it's not like a, a bad de- deadline or anything, but there's sometimes I'm done, I'm like, I need to finish this tonight, kind of thing. But um,
0: I get text dinner. Okay, yeah. I, I'm thinking, I'm almost there, and it's like 15 minutes later, everybody's like, cleaning the table up, and I'm like, Hi, sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like there's, a, there's only a few different characters on this page I have to finish up. It'll be okay, and it's like no.
0: Yeah, once you get wrapped on whatever Five you're doing, later. time ceases to exist. You just you're just there working on whatever you're working oh, yeah. on, and then the next thing you know, hours slip by.
1: Oh yeah, it's like definitely when um when you're in the mood for, it and it's a a story or a character you really want to illustrate, it just. Just a, a, a vortex. <laughs> I'm vortex, but...
0: Now you've been to Heroes Con before, established. Yes. Are there places you would like to visit in Charlotte while you're here?
2: Uh, I definitely
1: like going to Amelie's, the um, the bakery. I love the, the French bakery there. Like I, at home, I don't have many there. So we, uh, I'm from like uh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Charleston, South Carolina. You'd think there'd be more down there, but they've got all, all, kinds, of, all kinds of great seafood, but uh, Um not the bakeries as, as much, but um, we just—I actually haven't been to the Hero Store yet. I need to make make that trip. I have, I have neglected that. <laughs> but we—I um, don't know. We just like to walk around and see where it takes us, kind of thing.
0: Well, good that you're making time <laughs> for that. Oh yeah. Because every year I'm like, yeah, I should see all these neat things, Mike. Just tell me about. I never get outside the convention in the hotel.
2: Oh yeah, it's, it can be hard to, especially if um, you don't
1: know some of the
2: um, the area
1: very well and all. Like we, um, we do love Port City Java as well. Like when we do go there, but like on Sunday they kind of shut down everything, so you kind of like can't go too far on Charlotte um, on Sundays. It's just depends.
0: So. Your own book that you're working on, Bittersweet mm-hmm. Sentinel. You have one right now. Yes. Are you going to make more? I, I confess, I have not read it yet. But <laughs> do you fun. plan? Have you left it so that you can make more?
1: Yes. Yeah. Like I, we're definitely working on the second one right now, but um, it's going to be like a, a couple issues, mini series thing. Yeah. JD and I are working on getting there, and then um, the Undead Norm is only going to be like five or six total, but we got two issues with that one done. Okay. But um, Melly's kind of moved on to do other stuff, so I'm taking over the complete art duties and everything, so <laughs> that's why it's taking me along long because I have to work on Amazing Age and the paid work.
0: <laughs> How are you doing with the pressure, the deadline pressures?
1: Uh, gotta get through it <laughs> sometimes there's been a couple of times especially like near the end of a uh, amazing age that um jeremy's like i'm sorry these are the last last three pages i, I, was I know this should to be done like today i'm so sorry but you know it's just just I power through that. it sometimes told, just like, put on the heavy metal music then and just go through you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if that's what it takes that's what you do what you can but I, I think I think most comic creators have had um, you know yeah. right up in the end of deadline, like yep it does needs does. to be done it's, yeah
0: put the pedal to the metal
1: <laughs> yeah definitely difference between um, self-publishing and working with um, a publisher yeah, well
0: you have to have the discipline yeah and you're doing both self-publishing and working with a publisher yes. so you have to be able to shift gears again okay. with the car analogies pedals of the metal shifting gears yep that's what it's all about oh yeah
1: definitely <laughs> it's um it's Something that I had to get better at over the years because you know, if, it's a skill. If you if you can't if you can't produce a comic in a certain amount of time, especially self publishing and stuff, people will forget about you. And
0: Look around, how many people are here, how many artists and writers. They will forget about you because there's so much on the newsstand. I keep saying newsstand. Yeah. What century are you from, Chris? From the local comic shops, you know.
1: Well, you know, I mean, well, <laughs> there you We do have, have Amazing Age on some of the newsstands, right. so yeah. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> hopefully making a comeback kind of thing. But, you know, so. it's, um, with, with you comics, it's you have to be good with maintaining a schedule. <laughs> and it gets not necessarily easier, but I guess you get you learn those skills more as you get better at it and do it kind of thing. But, um, you know. <laughs> well,
0: I will let you get to it and to your fans and people stopping by. And thank you so much for spending some time with me during Heroes Con.
1: Well, thank you for talking with me, I appreciate uh, yeah. it.
0: Here with Michelle Fife. Hey, how are you doing? I- I'm doing great. How's the con going so far?
3: It's great. I mean, one day down, two more to go, and it's always awesome. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry, I'm just waking up. That's okay. um, it's uh, It's the best show this year. It's the only show I'm doing. Uh, I always kind of save myself for this show. You know, in terms of uh, catching up with friends and peers and fans, it's, it's unbeatable. It's the best.
0: Now, at this show, you have a new book out. Bloodstrike. That's right. This is your first uh, someone else's universe that you're working in the toys you're playing with Rob Liefeld's universe.
3: Yeah I have the privilege of playing with Rob Liefeld's creations um, and it kind of started last year when I was like shopping for old comics kind of filling my collection and I started rereading all the extreme books um, and I felt I fell in love again with Bloodstrike except um, a few issues were missing in the publishing history so I figured, oh, let me just plug those in and see if that works as a story to sort of reintroduce the characters to the world. And uh, and so I pitched it to Rob, and he let me do my copra thing. Where, you know, which is write, draw, color, and pretty much take over the entire package and deliver it as such. Um, and it's been fun, man. It's been great. It's been awesome, because, I mean, I, it's what I grew up reading, so I try to put my new sensibilities onto those older characters, and I. Th- Think it, I think hope it worked. I hope it
0: works for readers. Has he given you any direct feedback or just kind of the thumbs up and they just go with it?
3: Just go with it. And wow. the feedback has always been positive. He's That's like great. the best. He just let me go nuts That's on the awesome. characters. And it's know.
0: great that you're able to do the writing, the art, mm-hmm. the color, letters. Do you like to work that way? Is that more pressure for you? Or do you just prefer to be able to control no. the entire package the way it all comes out? Yeah, I'm a control freak like that. I got to do it. <laughs> I got to do it.
3: It's also quicker production-wise just to not wait for things to be approved or, sure. or, you know, for something to clear. I just go for it. I just do it for my studio. And uh, that's how I've done Copra, which is my other, that's my main gig. That's my main title. Okay. Um, and it's sort of similar. It's like I write, draw, and color and create this world of sort of uh, adventurous misfits who go on weird missions, you know, inspired by all the comics I read as a kid. And current comics, I try to, you know, put in some 70s grindhouse stuff, and some 80s DC stuff, and some, you know, new European stuff, just mix everything in, just to keep it fresh for myself, and hopefully for the reader. Um, And that's what I did for Bloodstrike, so.
0: Okay, yeah, cool. Let me ask you some of the questions I'd like to ask all my guests to get to know more about you Mm -hmm. as a creator. When you're not working on Cobra Blood Bloodstrike, what do you do for rest and relaxation? How do you relax?
3: Just sleep, if I
0: could. That's
3: Sometimes, all I do, That's the man. most
0: precious thing you can possibly. That's have to relax. oh
3: man, <laughs> tell me about it. Uh, that's I, I think that's what every cartoon is kind of yeah. does, you know. I mean, I I try to step outside my room a couple times, you know, because uh, I live I live in my studio pretty much um, in Brooklyn, New York. I'm from Brooklyn, okay. so um, I don't know. I try to go out, you know, have still have i mean i have a family too so i hang out with them that's like the most important part they like to see you they want to know yeah once in a while just make sure i'm alive yeah, check yeah. In. so i check in with them you know we try to go on on trips you know road trips when we can and where do you like to go well we recently went to uh roswell and that was fun we drove through roswell yeah but nice. it was a, it was a road trip and we went to albuquerque santa fe roswell marfa texas then we ended up in austin so it was like a long road trip so we kind of like to do that stuff i've been to
0: Santa Fe. that's that's great
3: it's an awesome town i mean i personally like to go to comic stores and look you know see what they have for stuff yeah yeah see what the what the scene's like Mm -hmm. uh and eat shop go vintage shopping go you know just hang out just relax and decompress so that's kind of what we do Okay. When I'm not, that's what I do when I'm not working
0: away. Now thinking back when you were growing up in your bedroom, you know, you're like 12 or so, what did you have on the walls? What kind of posters or, I would expect probably some Rob Liefeld artwork, but what did you have?
3: I had, you know, I went through a period, I remember once, I used to rip out the ads from DC Comics because I just didn't like ads, Okay. I just didn't, it just interrupted the story flow. I'm just a little kid ripping out the ads. But I still liked the art because it was like house ads and it was like specific art made. like a pinup. Yeah, it's yeah. like a cool pinup. So I never throw, threw them away. And I was amassing them. It was just a stack of ads from like 86, 87. And um, so I just put them on my wall. And that's what I would have. And random pin- you know, it, later it became posters like wizard posters or mm-hmm. the posters they would sell at the comic store, you know, stuff like that, you know. Um, band posters, I don't know, all sorts of goofy stuff.
0: What did you listen to?
3: I would listen to stuff like uh, Faith No More, you know, early grunge, you mm-hmm. know, early. Well, to be honest, I was more of an MTV kid. Okay. And I treated that as the radio. So was MTV was always on. Yeah. So whether it was like Madonna or Run DMC or The Red Hot Chili Peppers, I just kind of absorbed it all. And I had favorites. I just never identified with a thing. I just kind of liked stuff. That's back when they played music on MTV. Yeah, when there was videos and it was it always was on, really all and that's what I would draw to. Okay. And uh, right. so if it wasn't like sitcoms, it would be MTV all the time, no matter what. You know, and then you develop a taste for like Headbangers Ball or or 120 Minutes, and that's how I discovered bands, and then it, you know, one thing led to another, and. But the staple was always MTV. That was always on. Okay. And uh, these days, it's pretty much just a YouTube or whatever CD I could rummage through, sure. you know, through my old crates. <laughs> I'm still looking for a tape player because I have tons of tapes, but you that's another story. Player? I don't. They all break. Oh, man. I even had a Walkman, but it, that crapped out, too. I still have one. One of the sports weapons, the in the Oh, I had the big yeah. yellow one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's exactly what And it just started it slowing down. Yeah. And
0: I hang on to that stuff because it's just, I don't use it much, but I hang on to it just in case I need to dig out an old cassette. Because I have cassettes I made when I was a kid. Yeah, mixed talking to family. No, no oh, I, I, oh, I have mixes for talking to family. Like it's like it's like archival stuff now because these people are gone. They're no longer with us. So man. I have these. And I at the time I was just thinking, oh, this will be fun. I'll play like I'm doing an interview, right? Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah, like five yeah. Five years old, yeah, ten years yeah. old. So I hang onto those. I gotta, you knew
3: what you wanted. I, I
0: gotta, I gotta transfer <laughs> that stuff to digital.
3: You have to, cause those tapes—they're gone. Man. I
0: know. Hey, birthdays. What was your favorite birthday? Something that you did during your birthday that you're like, wow, that was—that's a great memory I have. Or maybe not so great, but you don't birthday? forget
3: it. <laughs> I try to do something cool every year. First of all, I went through a period where I just didn't want to celebrate it. I just didn't want to, you know, yeah. do anything. I can't fault you for that. You know, I just, yeah, I don't wanna think about it, you know? Right, right. Uh, But, oh, this last birthday I went to, um, we went to Woodstock, and that was a cool little trip, so that was fun.
0: You go to all the cool places.
3: We try, I don't know, it, it's never <laughs> enough, though. It's never enough. Uh, when I was a kid, I don't know, just getting tons of comics and toys, that was always like, as long as I have that, you know, mm-hmm. whether it be birthday or Christmas, it's like, my parents knew what I liked, and I got that, so.
0: So toys, now, if. You were a toy, an action figure.
3: What should be your accessory? Would be my accessory. Uh, oh, that's a tough one. I'm trying to think of the toys that I had. It's something fun. And yeah. none of them, none of them had accessories because I would break them off. <laughs> my Green Lantern is missing an arm, so it's like, <laughs> <laughs> there's no accessory there. Um, Oh man, that's tough. I don't know. Uh, the Ninja Turtles had weapons, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know, one of those. <laughs> I really don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I used to actually play with my toys and throw them around and okay. burn them. And I think I lost all the WWF toys into the ocean. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay. it was rough.
0: Ocean, okay, Yeah. You're on, you're on a deserted island. It really helped me with transitions. People listen to the show know these are coming, so you're doing great. <laughs> you're on a desert island, or a deserted island. Uh-huh. And it might have sand, it's a desert island. Uh-huh. What's the one book you want to have with you? For fun, I mean, it doesn't have to be a survival book. I mean, something you want to read for fun. Forever, a... something to read? Yeah, oh, man. this is the book you have. And I'll tell you what, it can be a collection. If you like a, a set of something that's all related, that's okay.
3: You know what, I might take I might take the big collection of Love and Rockets. Okay. Because that's my absolute favorite comic book ever. I mean, I have other comics that are up there. But if I'm going to be alone forever, or for an extended time, and I have one book to read, that thing, every time I reread it, it just gets better and better and better. And it makes me feel good about comics and about just life in general. I mean, you want something
0: uplifting on an island? Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs)
3: Uh, Something that's going to give you a little bit of hope. You know, I mean, I, I get so locked into those guys' voices—the Hernandez brothers. Uh, it's two brothers; they do their own, respective worlds. They write and draw their own material, and they're both great. They're both brilliant, and they inspire. They've inspired me since I first discovered them when I was a teenager. So, definitely them. And I think they do have like a huge book that came out maybe 20 years ago. Okay, you could take. It's like, like a, a brick. I mean, it's yeah. like I could maybe float on it if I had to. So.
0: <laughs> What, sir, is your beverage of choice when you're resting and you relaxing?
3: It used to be coffee last month, but I haven't drank coffee in a month for some weird reason. I'm just trying to have too much caffeine. I think yeah. I overdid it because I was drinking coffee all the time. Uh-huh. But even when I'm relaxing, I like to drink coffee. Okay. Yeah, so That's it would be that. All right. Now I guess it's uh, water. <laughs> Got to stay hydrated, Keep it simple. Oh my I god. Sharing yeah. everything with me because oh I know I'm god. not gonna leave the I floor. I need some water right now, <laughs> seriously.
0: I hear you. Well so I don't get you parched and worn out. Final question. It's all good. What is the one question you want someone to ask you that you've never been asked before in an interview? Something you want people to know about you that you want to share? And then you're gonna oh
3: man. <laughs> so <and> then share. <laughs> I don't know. Um something you want to tell people. <laughs> okay, I don't you know, that's a that's a man, that's a big one. That's a big one. I still gotta wake up too. I, me too. It's okay. it's
0: okay. You can ponder that and uh, come back. Maybe no, <laughs> may, no. Maybe
3: maybe because I have this drawing. I'm working on commissions right really? now, so maybe it's a technical related thing. And you know, I don't really get many people talking about um, like inking styles, like my approach to inking. You know, no. because I do everything. So we talk right. about color. We talk about layouts and writing. So, but inking specifically is a, a passion I have. I, I really maybe overthink it and I try different things all the time so just uh you know I'd like to talk more about that you know in general like craft inking like why do you do what you do like why do you approach it like that why do you ink the way you do you know so um I'd love to talk about that if anyone is in the con and wants to show up and do that (laughs) that'd be great well you know what that sounds
0: like a future show thinking about inking
3: yeah, so there we, you go. I, I'll have you on. It has a ring to it.
0: Yep, I'll have you on and we'll talk about inking. We'll focus on the inking because you've already answered my fun questions. I'll have to think of some more. I have some new ones, but I'll have you on. We'll talk about inking. Yeah, I look that'd forward be to that. Yeah, man, let's do it. Thank you, Michelle. Of course. Anger. I. That's close to anger. Is there any good? It, no, it's anger? just
4: anger. Like that's just how you say it. And I'm I'm not always super angry, but I do have deep-seated rage problems stemming from many many years yeah. of other angers. See, I'm just the opposite. Now there's people laughing their
0: heads off right now. I hope I hope they are because <laughs> so they know that's my not really me. dumb joke. <laughs> but uh, now, folks who listen to the podcast, they heard you when we had. Colin Bunn on? Yeah. Danny Luffert? Uh-huh. And yourself? Yeah. Working on Regression? Yes. So on Regression. so on Regression
4: until the end of the year. The end of the, is that the end of the series? We don't know. Yes. We don't know? I'm not saying anything more until the announcement is, is... You have to read to find something. out. Yeah, please. Please, someone read our books. Because actually, our trade is coming out, I think, next month. I think we come out in July. I know when, like, issue 11 and 12 are due color-wise, but I think the trade comes out next month. Okay. I hope. Now... After but that,
0: if that's it. where it ends, yeah. what else do you have that you're working on right now? So
4: I do a book called and Loathing, which is uh, off in the corner beyond view of the camera. And so that's an ongoing webcomic that I'm hoping to continue through at least the year. It's about a five-issue long arc. And then if I like doing it and it's still making money, then I'm going to keep going for another five <laughs> And if it's still making money, I'll go another five. But yeah, it's a super fun, really stupid Lovecraftian stoner comic. It's kind of like a mix between Dude, Where's My Car, uh, Fear and living in Las Vegas, and uh, of Ma- Mountains of Madness. So it's just a really dumb, fun comic. It's like a buddy comedy. So I have a lot of fun doing it. I'm having well, a really good time. you're
0: having fun and you can still make a living.
4: Right. That, that's both, the big. That's the big really thing. Help. For sure. Hard <laughs> to have one without the
2: help. Yeah. Yeah.
4: You can't just have fun. Yeah. I'm having a, good t- I am having a really fun. good time. So.
0: I'm having a good time. I came by earlier and we were just chatting about yeah, just heavy metal and me who
4: knew we both list. Who knew we're both Ghost fans. I who am
0: one of the Ghost fans.
4: I am so excited <laughs> that everyone's into Ghost again. Like it really was one of those moments where I was like, I can't believe. Everyone was sleeping on Ghost so, so hard. Like, everybody's super into Ghost now, and they've been waiting, they've been around for so long. Doing like, awesome yeah. Doing awesome stuff. So there's a really good backlog. Been like,
0: 2010? 2009?
1: A while, yeah. I don't
4: know I don't know when they started, but I know I've been listening to them for about five years, I think. Like, I've been listening to them for a while on and off. So, I go through weird periods of metal. Yeah. But I like Ghost. I'm so glad people are into Ghost. Right now, I'm in that metal period. And, you know, people yeah, that really haven't like that. heard it or don't know about it, they're from Sweden. Yeah. And, Whenever you do that, let me
0: know. But, yeah. you know, like most European countries, perfect English. Right, <laughs> right, I, mean, right, you I know, we're singing metal. Even listening to the lead singer or the music director speak,
4: you wouldn't even know, right. I
0: mean, it's just like, have you seen Tobias Forge, have you seen... Have you seen videos? No, no, yes. actually
4: never, is yes. it good? Yes, YouTube stuff,
0: yeah, him like signing autographs in the street. Somebody took the cell phone out, Right. That's oh, so cool. That's so he cool. Was so right. So nice. He's like got his glasses on, a leather jacket. Yeah. Like, would you mind signing? Oh yeah, sure. Hey, where'd you get the jacket? Oh, I got it. Is it just like ordinary as? all get out. Yeah. Oh my god. I yeah. really like it's it. Crazy. And I'm sorry I missed them when
4: they came through. They were in my area like last month, and I was like, you know, not thinking, just you know, not going. Not, no. You gotta go. No. Well, there a friend of mine is actually gonna go see them in yeah. Milwaukee and Chicago, like in the span of a week. Oh man. Double yes, show, exactly. which is awesome. That's so much ghost. it is a lot, of ghosts. It's a lot of ghosts. My only
0: other shot is to go to I think like Madison Square Garden they're going to do like the, they're going to do two arenas in the US. But I wanted to do the more
4: intimate closer, you know. Just, yeah, but my god, that'd be an awesome show to see. If you wa- like how many people, well, enough to film Madison Square Garden could say that they saw it there. But that is that is a really that'd be a really cool venue to see them in and also like Small time metal shows are super cool, but like, they're a big production, Um, you should see them big! I I saw some on YouTube. I don't know if it's still
0: out there, but somebody recorded their concert off, I don't know what they were using, if it was their
4: phone, but it it was really clear they were Mm. doing dance macabre.
1: Oh god. And it's.
0: It's
4: perfect. <laughs> I'm real excited. I had rats stuck in my song, stuck in my song, stuck in my head all day yeah, yesterday. Because right, right, a friend right. of mine, as we were driving up, was listening to rats over and over and over again from St. Louis yes. to Charlotte. Yes. Rats. <laughs> uh, it's so good. It it's is. so good. It really is.
0: But we're digressing on heavy yeah, metal. sorry. I, I like think I lost video. everybody. Oh, but, uh, I'm back. Hey, last time you were on the show, uh-huh. uh, we talked about my fun things to do. Fun things about you. Okay. I have more questions. I have an original. Okay. Now. Now think back to when you were a teenager 12, 14, okay. okay, what was in your room, like on the wall, poster-wise, picture-wise, and what were you listening to at the time?
4: Oh, I hate this. Um, I was a Catholic school kid. Me too. I wanted... So, that we both like ghosts, which is... <laughs> right, I know, I was going to say, it was like the like, Pope oh. hats, <laughs> <laughs> anti-Pope hats. <laughs> <laughs> so... I decided that in order to stand out from the other uniformed kids, I would wear all navy because it was as close as I could get to all black. Yeah, that's cool. And I watched a lot of Tim Burton movies. So I had a Hot Topic shopping spree one year after my birthday, and all my posters on the wall were Tim Burton movie posters. And the ones that I couldn't find for his movies, I drew myself. And they were no good. <laughs> they were really, 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 really bad. So I had that on the walls. And then I was listening to, when I was 12, Lincoln Park, a band called Seether that I remember really, really well. But I was told by my boyfriend that that was not a band. They are a band, and they are still a band. And apparently they're South African, which I never knew. Um, Everclear, Evanescence, That was probably also the year that I started listening to a band called Leftover Crack. So that was like a completely different kind of route I was taking. Oh, and Oingo Boingo, because I thought it was really cool to listen to music from the 80s. And so that was my room. And a band called Rasputina, which is a band that I love and I have a lot of very fond memories of. But I am not allowed to play in the car because it is really just caterwauling it's really rough so that's what I listen to a lot of that you listen to the car by yourself I mean, even, even with
0: company I can't with company with com- I, I have stuff yeah. I cannot listen to with
2: company
4: yeah it's it's a lot actually we went and saw a Rasputinist show a friend of mine a friend who loves ghosts uh, a couple like two years ago and it was it was a whole lot it was just uh, three people up there with cellos, one of them yelling, and inexplicably wearing some sort of feathered headdress. <laughs> and it was it was the end of an era. And I haven't listened to Respute in a sense because it's just a whole lot. <laughs> it's just a whole lot. But I loved them when I was in middle school. My poor mom. <laughs> like I do, I feel bad. Because my mom, like, she never listened, she never listened to music, so we just got to listen to whatever we wanted to.
0: Okay.
4: And That weird, I don't even know what you would call that music, but it was like Linkin Park, Breaking Benjamin, like that weird kind of hardcore, but also really mainstream music. A lot of that, a lot of the emo music, and then Rasputina, just really weird shit. The
1: only
0: thing that
4: gave my parents pause was when I was into
0: Adam and the Ants. And, Adam and uh, the, the Ants is fun. Though. Sex pistols. So. Oh, but they're I, fun too! I, I, I had I asked for Christmas. Would you please get me the sex pistols for Christmas? So my mom had to go to the music store and ask for what's this? Never mind the <laughs> pomops. Like, thanks, Mom!
4: <laughs> That's delightful though. That's a really good Christmas gift. I, oh. Also, so I guess in the Venture Brothers Triana, one of the characters there, her outfit is based off Adam and the Ants. Which I didn't know. I read like a character design note, and I was like, that makes perfect sense to me. It's so good.
0: I love that show. It's
4: so good, it's so good.
0: Do you have a birthday that stands out in your memory? One that, for whatever reason, where you were, who you were with? Yep, I sure do.
4: That, that just, you, you do have Oh uh, Yeah. Okay. So when I turned 17, my dad took me on a special birthday treat, like a special birthday outing, and it was to go see the newest Rambo movie. <laughs> And I had not seen any of the other Rambo movies. We lost? No, I mean, he was, it was just like Rambo's, it was just a really old Sylvester Stallone playing Rambo. It was very weird. And I think it was just like a movie that he wanted to see and no one else would go see it. And my birthday was on a Wednesday that year. And movies are $5 on Wednesdays where I grew up. So we went and saw Rambo. We went and saw Rambo. And that same year, or the year before I went and saw Rocky, where Adrian had died of woman cancer. So I'm not into Sylvester Stallone anymore. Not that I ever was. But I'm not anymore. Okay. It was just a whole lot. God. That Rambo movie. I was, I was either too young or too old. I'm not really sure. But it was not the right fit for me. I was
0: never really into it. I, I, just, I don't know. I don't think there was enough there
4: for me. No. It was a lot of blood. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of blood and yeah. a lot of uh, Rambo. It's a lot of Rambo, so that was my big one. Now, my last question for you is, is there a question when you've been in an interview that you have not been
0: asked by somebody, that you want someone to ask you something you want people to know about you that they may not
4: know? Something I want people to know about me. So in front of this giant green backdrop, I hate the color green. (laughs) Yeah, Green is not my favorite color. Red is my favorite color. And it just... It was one of those things that just sticks to you. You ever have, like, a bad nickname or... Like, (laughs) just something that you can't get rid of. Yeah. When I was in high school, I bought a green striped shirt from Hot Topic. Like, I remember it. It was, like, that color green. Like, a waffle shirt. And I wore it as an undershirt for my band uniform. And after that, people just started giving me lime green everything. Oh, okay. And so you can fight it or you can just lean into it and so this was the year that I decided I was just gonna <laughs> lean into it and so I started using green a lot more in my work I started using green up there and I've had green hair for about eight or nine years now so That's that was, yeah it's I think it's like I don't think I like it but maybe I do and I just haven't realized it yet maybe it's like a secret passion eight years I know I know well, I used, it used to be blue, but then the hipsters took blue hair, and so oh, I had no, to be—I had no. to be different. So, and then I just—the color that I use smells really nice, and I like to use it. I guess I don't know. I can't explain it, but I just started using green in everything. So that's—that's kind of like my big secret. That's my big secret that no one asks about because everyone just assumes I love green because it's on everything that I've ever done. It's just green, so that's my big thing. And now you know mm-hmm. my right. big secret.
0: Any plans besides the con when you're in Charlotte?
4: You're gonna get a chance to go out and see the sights. Um, Um, I don't know. I have no idea. I went out with a really cool band last night called the Dollar Signs to a really awesome Korean barbecue restaurant called Soul Food. S E O U wait S E O U L food. Okay. I think that's how you spell it. Yeah. Um, and it was awesome. And while we were there, they told us about this ice cream place called Nineties, where you can get like a like a hot ice cream sandwich. And I'm into that. So I might try to hit that up. And then apparently I think it's called the Milestone Club. It's like an old punk bar. I might try to go see that just because I'm very curious. But I have to be able to convince the people I'm with to go with me. And that's the trick. Like that's the gamble. So we'll see. I hope. Maybe.
0: But I don't know. I, I guess a lot of the stuff, if you want to see the sites and do things, you have to do it before the con starts. Like, yeah. That's probably your best. If you yeah. get there early, well, you have to get it early to set up. That's yeah. probably the best time for you as a creator to actually get a chance. Because yeah. otherwise, I mean, you have to be here.
4: Right. Well, and that's what we, luckily, so we, I, I'm from St. Louis, so I drove up a day early with my, my carpool buddy. So we were here yesterday, so we did set up. And then, like, it sucks, but we were just really tired from the ride. And so by the time the afternoon rolled around, we just went back to the Airbnb and, like, watch Devil Man Cry Baby and I I've been knitting I've been knitting Christmas scarves for friends of mine for Christmas from 2017. So it's gonna be Christmas in July, so I was trying to finish that scarf and so I just sat in my hotel room and knitted for like three hours. And gathered social energy so that I could talk to people I guess. I don't know. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'll find out when someone tells me where to go. I'll do that, whatever someone tells me to do. Again, so, go with the
0: flow. Just, yeah. Just really, the color green.
4: Thanks a lot. And next time, try to be a little more lively when we talk. I'll try. Anything for you. I'll try. I'll try. All right.
0: Day three here at Heroes Con in Charlotte. I'm tired, but Kevin Glover's not. He's still here plugging away with this. Trying to make of the
2: magic. Line <laughs> of horror
0: books, and it caught my eye. It's just one of those things. I'm just walking around, and I go, "Well, wait a minute. How did I miss this?" It's Kevin, you've been doing this for about three years now.
2: Correct. Yeah.
0: Um, and some of this was the dream of having a screenplay. I mean, uh, yes, kind of my. Uh, so please explain.
2: The one that's based on a screenplay is my uh, Lady Frankenstein and Mummy's Brain. Uh, that that's. My first um, uh, ongoing uh, comic. Most of my. I started off with anthologies. First, I wasn't sure how, what my market was going to be and how successful it was going to be. So I started off with Fractured Scary Tales, which is kind of like um, uh, Fractured Fairy Tales from the old Bullwinkle show. Uh-huh. Uh, but these are all uh, reimagined movie classics, things like uh, Maltese Frankenstein, Planet of the Were Apes, uh, um, Snow White and the Seven, Deadly Sins. Uh, so they're all very tongue in cheek, or I tell people tongue in shriek. Uh, stories. Um, and they're, uh, they're anthologies, so there's like seven stories in every issue. They all have a twist ending and they're all done in a classic black and white. But that um, that caught on and I'm up to issue four. I'm actually working on five right now. And uh, because of that, it gave me the opportunity to move into my mummy's, um, uh, um, the, the um, Lady Frankenstein. Um, so uh, once I knew I could try to make a go of these conventions, I knew I could have an opportunity to market something more uh, more ongoing and not just standalone alone comics. Uh, but then I kind of felt like um, I, I had kids looking at some of my monster books and I uh, I felt bad because I didn't really have anything for them to look at. So I came up with the Super Dub Monster Kids which is kind of a Teen Titans uh, Transylvania style um, and this is a, um, a group of kids that become Zomboy and Dracula and Frank and Teen and Mummy's Girl. So it's very kid-friendly adventures for um, kids that kind of like monsters but don't want anything too scary. Um, I,
0: I like the way you cover the gamut there, <laughs> all ages, because a lot of publishers tend to forget that group of kids that want to get into this. They're missing out, and, uh, and this is so so entry level friendly. Now, are you publishing all of these yourself? Yes,
2: yes. It's all uh, I. Uh, it's all published by me. I uh, promote the whole thing. I uh, go to a lot of cons, about 30 some a year, um, wow. and um, yeah, almost every weekend I'm traveling to some city trying to hawk my wares and get some awareness for my. Uh, for my comic line
0: that's dedication and this is not a full-time job <laughs> no you it's have not. a day job this is what you're doing <laughs> this is your passion
2: yeah that's what i always get a kick when uh there's some young guy next to me who, who that's all they do for a living is conventions and they're complaining that monday they got to drive home and i think well monday i got to go to my full-time It'll job work, and work 40 de- 40 hours and Take a lot of Fridays off to make these conventions. Um, so many are three three-day cons, but there's a lot of two-day ones too. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, 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 um, it yeah, works yeah. out. You know, you so got you like get it, point. and what you put out. And so I'm trying to. Um, I'm actually trying to call attention to some of my screenplays that I've sold in the past that haven't um, haven't been produced yet. So it's an opportunity to see something realized and out on. Uh, uh, you know, out in some manner, so the public can hopefully enjoy it.
0: Now, what kind of work do you do? Your day job? Oh, I'm
2: actually an accountant. Okay. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so anything this, is, this is far different. removed. Yeah. That's very, okay. Very, good. This is yeah. for you. Then. Yeah. I um, well, I used to have my own production company um, years ago. I uh, did a lot of low-budget movies. I'm my biggest claim to fame is I'm the producer of a movie called Dinosaur Valley Girls with uh, Karen Black and William Marshall, the guy that played Bad Blackula, and that was on TV for years, and um, and that was my big claim to fame. And uh, I did a lot of production work and post-production work, and uh, and then the market changed in the post-production world where people. Could do on their laptop computers what used to cost a lot of money to do, um, you know, in standalone equipment. um, So that kind of fizzled, and when I had to reinvent myself, I I did my own books as a uh, um, as as the owner of my business, my production company. So I I I took a leave of absence from uh, from the entertainment world and just started doing accounting. And now that's afforded me to get back on my feet and do, um, you know, do. Explore another passion.
0: So you must love horror movies.
2: I absolutely love them. Yeah. What I, was the uh,
0: first cut for you? The first one you laid eyes on?
2: The first one I laid eyes on. Um, geez, I. Uh, it had to be one of the Universal monster movies, but I can't remember exactly because when I was a kid growing up on Saturday mornings, they used to have like uh, a monster movie matinee that was, you know, in the afternoon, and all the old classics would show. It was probably like a Frankenstein or Dracula or, or one of. One of those. I uh, I really loved the Universal movies when I was a kid, and then and then I graduated to the Hammer horror, and I really really loved those. Mm-hmm. I came out at a time when it was full color, and I loved all the gore, and I thought, oh, this is very cool. I never had a fascination for the slasher type movies. I um, I prefer my uh, my villains to be more uh, supernaturally based. They can do anything in a supernatural world, like you know they can eat people or whatever. But I really don't like human people eating people or you know killing people. So. Um, I, I like my more, uh, I guess, supernaturally based monsters. Yeah.
0: Do you have a favorite? I know it's hard to pick just one. Yeah. I have a hard time. <laughs> to, like, if someone says, wow, I've never seen these movies. It's hard to believe they've been around a long time. But for people that have never seen them, younger people, you say, watch this one and you'll see why I love it so much.
2: Um, that is tough. I, uh, I guess I, I'd have to go to some of the Hammer movies. And I don't know if I'd be hard pressed to say if it was um, the um, the horror of Dracula, which was their mm-hmm. their first uh, a foray really into color horror, or um, or their Curse of Frankenstein, the first two of those. Yeah. Um, what I really loved about what Hammer did with the Frankenstein series is that the um, the the scientist was the, in the forefront. The monster changed every every uh, every That's new right. uh, rendition. Where Universal, Peter the monster. was Yeah, Peter Cushing was, yeah, Cushing uh, was great. Yeah, he was Absolutely was the
0: forefront, and they just changed up how they did the mask. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was so really cool. It
2: was very, very cool, and I really loved it. In fact, I think it kind of inspired some of my thinking in My Lady Frankenstein. I think I owe a, a debt of gratitude to. Um, just sort of how they work that, that, that thought process along and trying to make the, the doctor the forefront. Think, so.
0: so how can folks pick up your books if they're not here at Charlotte today? Oh,
2: um, if you remember the name Fractured Scary Tales, I'm at fracturedscarytales.com. Okay. Uh, my company's called um, Scary Tales Publishing, but um, uh, I thought Fractured Scary Tales was an easier to remember name when you're searching on the internet. So if okay. you go to fracturedscarytales.com, you'll find me.
0: Okay, so. very cool. I have some fun questions for you. Oh. Okay. Ask all my guests. Oh, so. uh, right. and, and and no, they're easy. They're just
2: about uh, you. Okay. Some oh, people, they're about some me. So
0: people will get to know who you are. Oh, I see. Like like when you're not working on this. You're oh not doing sure. ca- uh, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Joshua Hickson just made a cameo. Uh, special guest <laughs> appearance. My
2: uh, <laughs> yeah, he's my neighbor, so pick up his stuff too. <laughs>
0: so, um, when you're not working accounting, you're not doing your books, what are you doing to relax?
2: Um, there's very little time for relaxation. I just had a, a script optioned, and I'm doing some rewrites on that, and then um, I'm always working on the next issue of some comic. Uh, uh, I didn't want a vanity production so I've opened the writing to other uh, uh, writers in my uh, my anthology series uh, but like the kid ones I write every other issue of that just because uh, I wanted to maintain a certain tone so I'm always either editing someone else's stories or um, or working on stories of my own and, and doing PR stuff or uh, just uh, there's not much time for relaxation. But
0: you do love it, so but I that's do love kind it. of your relaxation. Yeah, so, so it yeah. is, and yeah.
2: and that's what people say, what, how can you do so many cons in a year, especially if you're not really making that much money at every con? And, and it's just, I love the interaction with people. Um, I especially love with the kid one, how the purity of a kid's response to your work, um, they're, they're very, um, there's no filter. If they don't like a cover, if they don't like something, they'll tell <laughs> On you right out. Back. Honest feedback. <laughs> Honest feedback, yeah. But when they like something and they get the first issue and they see me again, oh, wow, I'm so glad I got to see, I want to get the next. And just those expressions, just it makes it all worthwhile.
0: Now, talking about kids, think back when you were a kid. Your room, what did you have on the wall, pictures, posters?
2: Um, I had, uh, well I shared it with a, a brother, we had three boys, and um, my younger brother and I shared a room. Uh, I had a lot of uh, like robot toys and some monsters and uh, those little uh, plastic uh, statuettes and things of you know Frankenstein and Dracula and things, um, uh, and some posters, but stacks and stacks of comics and, and books. I read a whole lot of books. Um, oh, what so. comics
0: did you like to read back then? Um,
2: well, back then I read mostly uh, mostly superhero stuff. Okay. Um, I liked. I've, I started off with the DC line, and I was I read you know uh, Superman and Batman quite religiously, and then. Oh, so the
0: comics you read a lot of DC. Did you yeah. read really, the horror comics? Um,
2: right? Well, I really liked uh, Tomb of Dracula when that came oh, out. Yes. I really, really, really enjoyed that. Uh, it was a kind of neat how they, Dracula stayed a bad guy, but he was also the hero of his comic. In his world, he was the good guy. And and I really liked how that came out. In fact, I'm introducing a, a vampire comic next that'll be out probably, uh, by, by, not my next con, but three cons from now. And I'm excited to see how that one takes off. Um, And I I loved uh, so much all the black and white horror magazines. That was the inspiration for my Fractured Scary Tales because I I love the Creepies and the Eeries and and some of the lesser-known ones. There were some smaller publishers that had things like um, uh, Vault of Horror and some things like that that... uh, we um, were much more grisly on the covers and kind of garish, but as a kid, I just loved it when zombies were eating people and things, and I guess I still kind of like it. There's yeah. still
0: a big market <laughs> for that, you know, the old black and white. They've even brought yeah. it back with a magazine called Creeps. Oh, yeah, That's yeah. It. I mean, it's, it's like the old magazines, it looks very much like it, and that stuff, people still
2: love it. Yeah, I. Um, I um, I know The Creeps well. I've um, been buying it since the very first issue. Uh, in fact, a couple of people that work on that write stories for me too, so I kind wow. of um, uh, hired a couple of them. So, very cool. Yeah.
0: Now, if you were stuck on a deserted island and you only had one book, and I mean, you don't have to make it practical, something you want to read for fun, uh, what would that one book be? What would it be? And it could be a comic. It doesn't have to be a prose novel. Oh, right, It be right. whatever you want to take.
2: I'd have to give that some thought. There's not, yeah. I can think of movies that I'd l- I watch again and again and again, but things, you know, books that I've read over and over. Yeah, um, I, I, I I, it's, it's hard. Yeah. It's a tough
0: question when I throw that out. Yeah. There. Some people go, boom, they make right. the same book every year, once, once a year. Yeah. Others are like, oh, I got so many, I don't know how to pick
2: one. Yeah, yeah. I, um, um, well, I'm also a big fan of the Bond uh, movies, and so. I think the only books I've read repeatedly are some of the original Bond novels, and so maybe, um, uh, maybe, uh, uh, maybe from Russia with love. Okay, um, uh, I understand it was JFK's favorite novel really? yes oh. you know it's uh. funny
0: I, I started reading leon fleming bond novels i'm on like number four now
2: oh very cool yeah
0: so I, I started reading the comics and i dynamite was doing them and they still are and it they were based on the novels not on the movies and i was like well i'll read the novels to get a better feel and i was like yeah, that's a, this is almost better than
2: the movie yeah. in some
0: way. They're the, two different things to me.
2: Yeah, know? they're exactly two different kinds of things. I think the uh, movies progressed into an area that the original books didn't, where yeah. they they became yeah. more and more outlandish in the movies because they're trying to have more spectacle and things. Right. But the the character in the in the novels is much more uh, grounded and much more um, uh, uh, the daring do is 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 satisfying. It's you know it's cool, but it's a whole different kind of. Uh, Level of stakes
0: and it's brutal.
2: It's very brutal. I mean, he does
0: not walk away unscathed. And look, I saved the day. He gets messed up. He, and the thing I found too is there's continuity between these book. Yes. I didn't realize that they actually continue these little subplots and characters come back in and they remain changed as they were. You know? Yes.
2: It's not like that. they reset with, yeah. with the movies every time. It's like everything back to normal. Whatever no, happened. That's yeah. pretty cool. Except the current series, the Daniel Craig one, seem to remember what happened. And they, uh, they seem
0: closer tied to the. Yes. The much more
2: closer. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So. If someone were to make an action figure of you... What would of you, me? Of you, <laughs> of you. What would be your accessory?
2: What would be my accessory? Um, hmm. Well, I'd like to say a typewriter, maybe, so people would remember me as a writer, <laughs> uh, but... Uh, I don't know.
0: Today, they'd say, what's that?
2: That's it. <laughs> I know. That's what I'd like to because they'd say, what is that? So people remember the past. I think too many times we we all move toward too fast to the future without looking at some of the inspirations I, from the past.
0: I love the old typewriters and I watched recently, and you probably have seen this and like it too, the old Kolshak TV shows. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I saw. I sat down. I, it was on MeTV, TV, so I started from the beginning and watched them all the way through. I remember when I was a kid, my grandparents would watch it and I was so scared. I wouldn't watch them. I remember hearing them. I, now I see the episodes I heard when I was a kid, sitting in the kitchen, like, I don't want to sit. because it sounded so much worse than it was. Oh, yeah. But I like how it opens with him on a typewriter.
2: I love that show, <laughs> and in fact, the first movie, um, I remember I watched it when it, you know, the first time it came out, the, the original Night Stalker movie, Yeah. And, and when it introduced the character, and, and I remember being very, very scared, because it was the first time, really, that a vampire was in present day, and it felt like, um, like it could happen. Uh, most of the time, they're all set in Transylvania, there's some, you know, in England, and it's all some period piece, but this one brought him into present day in Las Vegas, and it was just really, really good. And if you haven't read the Jeff Rice, I think his name, novel, no relation to Anne Rice, who also wrote all those vampire things, it's a really good novel that it was based on. Um,
0: it's amazing what they do, because it wasn't big budget.
2: No, not at all. But
0: the way they shot it.
2: And, and they, Darren McGavin was so perfect was for that great. part, and all the casting. Was super, super good. The guy that played the the vampire, and um, I forget his name, uh, but um, the whole cast was super good. The, the tough editor that you know would have yeah. given uh, J. Jonah Jameson a run for his <laughs> money. Uh, so um,
0: I I think it still holds up. I, I, I get absolutely a kick think it. so. And it's a yeah. little time period piece from the mid seventies. Yeah, I love that. It's I so cool. do too.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I think the um, the first two movies were better than the series. It's sometimes hard to maintain the level of quality on a on a show as you do on a on a, a TV movie, say. But but they still hold up really well. Uh, sure. Okay.
0: Think of a birthday that just stands out in your mind. For good or bad, it was something that maybe a gift you got, a place that you went with your family, whatever. What was that birthday and why was it memorable to you? Why does it stand out?
2: I think um, besides a birthday maybe was a Christmas when I got my Kenner Easy Show projector. And it was, um, it was the first time that I could project because when I was a kid they didn't have, um, there were no VCRs and uh, the Kenner came out with this uh, little projector you could wind, and you could show movies of. Um, uh, they had like a very limited selection of, of films that were very short, like five-minute versions of some favorite movie you had or favorite TV show. And and then that that from that I graduated into buying a projector, learning about cinematography, learning about. Um, You know, I had a collection of like Super 8 and regular 8 movies and and, um, at the time they didn't have sound and then suddenly sound, not they had sound in the regular movies but just (laughs) the whole thing. I'm not that old. They had talkies. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) they had talkies. But uh, but back then, you know, you were so excited that you got to buy a 15-minute version of your favorite, favorite movie. And now kids get, you know, DVDs, Blu-rays, you know, the week after a movie opens, it's all there. But back then, you, um, you originally could only get like Laurel and Hardy movies and things, and then gradually Universal released some of their movies. Hammer released, uh, I remember I had a uh, a horror of Dracula, uh, a version of it on, on, on regular eight. And I didn't have a sound um, uh, ca- uh, projector yet, but you, there was a record that came with it. You could play the record oh. simultaneous. Oh and so uh, so you had sound and it was coolest thing. I I used to go in the backyard and um, hang up a sheet on the clothesline and invite the kids over to show movies like I had to drive and people <laughs> driving on their bikes. I was a, I was a, a born showman. That's <laughs> Yeah, yeah.
0: People don't realize, younger people, that they, you, you couldn't just watch something whenever. Yeah, it you could on not. On TV, if you were lucky. Right. Or like the movies, we would get the trading cards. Yes, yeah. like Star Wars or Planet of the Apes or whatever, because that's the only way you could relive that moment was to look at the trading cards.
2: Absolutely. And, I remember I I was, I could have killed for some of the missing Planet of the Apes uh, uh, cards because I had, I kept buying bubblegum trying to get the missing <laughs> cards and, and there were like five I never got. And it was like, I, I that was a movie I, I, I really loved, too. Yeah, good, good, good work on that person.
0: Too. Kevin, thank you so much. Best of luck to you. I love what oh, you're doing. You. Good oh. stuff. Enjoy the rest of the con. All right,
2: thanks, man. I appreciate thank, it. Thank good you. Good luck to you with your uh, podcast there. Then you can Monster Mash. The Monster mash. And do my graveyard snack. Then you can mash. You'll catch on and I'll fly. Then you can mash. Then you can Monster Mash. Oh, yeah. Mash. Mash.
0: okay there you go folks that's my take on HeroesCon 2018 i hope you enjoyed it hope you enjoyed the interviews next week i'll have for you one more interview from HeroesCon. the entire episode is focused on one creator i spoke with laura lee gullidge She's an artist, an author, an educator, an artner. She's going to explain why she calls herself an artner and what kind of education she does. She was on a panel at Heroes Con teaching comic series, Why Diversity Matters. Here's the description. Comics are becoming more and more diverse in theme and subject matter. Audiences are changing as a reflection of this diversity. Does this mean that curriculums and courses need to adapt to this shift? So Laura discusses that panel with me and the concepts behind it and what she's doing. We had a really great conversation. We just went on for a while and, well, it became an episode. So next time, Laura Lee Gulledge on Creator Talks. Please join us. Thank you for joining me for Creator Talks this week. The show is available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, and also on Amazon Echo and Dot devices. Just say Alexa play podcast creator talks to hear the latest episode. In addition, you can listen to the show and follow it through Podbean. Your feedback is greatly appreciated. So please rate and review on iTunes. If you like the show or an episode that you heard your ratings and reviews go a long way to helping the show. And I can't thank you enough for taking a bit of time to do that. For your convenience in the show notes of each podcast, I have a link to my iTunes page you can rate and review the show and see the entire list of shows available if you haven't heard them all take a look through there are living legends and up-and-coming comic creators tell family and friends who like comics and comic book creators about the show and to subscribe the content is free just as valued are your comments and feedback you can reach me through facebook and twitter at creator talks pod that's at creator you can also reach out to me by email you can find that at my website Creatortalks.com. At the website, you will also find blog posts, reviews of books that I have read that you might want to read too, my catalog of podcasts, and videos and other written articles on the website creatortalks.com. A hearty thank you to all my guests. It is an honor and a privilege for you to make time to be on the show and talk to me about your work. It is your knowledge and insight into the creative process that makes the show so unique. My thanks also goes out to my family who makes this show possible, especially my executive co-producer, Mrs. Calloway. I'll be back each and every Thursday with a new interview. For Creator Talks, I'm your host Christopher Calloway. Until next time...